0: Blog Talk Radio. Oh no, I forgot about that. Wait a minute. Oh no. There it is. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for all the off as a bye bye. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I don't know what's happening. Talk, right? I mean, I was talking my ass off for 30, 40 minutes, you know, and I'm like, I just thought, I just knew I was doing some shit, waiting on everybody like, where y'all at? Hell, y'all showing up. It was just, I was off the loop some kind of way. So anyway, everybody want to apologize for the technical difficulties there. Uh, I deleted the link to the old show, so this is going to be the new link. I'm going to edit it out so that um, the information um, is there. A little bit later, um basically giving you some information about today's show. I just, I can't believe that happened. Randy, you were calling. You just kept calling. And I'm like, I can't hear you. I even called you back directly from um, the switchboard. And I'm like, reboot you your phone. And, could, and, you, and we couldn't, yeah, I could hear myself on the podcast. But I couldn't hear nothing you were saying. So I was like, so she over there talking to herself Okay. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I enjoyed it. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Oh, funny. You were over there like, this is a really good show. I am doing awesome. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was just, you know, just super fucking fantastic, right? And so, oh, that is so wild. So everybody that's out there, I apologize for that. I apologize. What a way to start the new year, right? Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Let's start with that. Right, Raina? Yeah, Happy New Year. excellent excellent so yeah you know the first show the first show I deleted and we started this one here so we're going to do it again we're going to try it again I want to make sure we knock this show out today because again this is the first in a four-part series and so you know um, I just want to make sure that we address these stereotypes I am just outdone i know the people at home were like what the hell is going on i'm sitting over here you know if i was religious i'd be like the devil Oh, anyway, we are here to challenge you all to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And I'll say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. We appreciate each and every last one of you. There's a number of things that, you know, we want to go over today. I've already went over some, but we'll go over it again because (laughs) apparently, (laughs) you know, only people that was learning something during that were my pretzels right here. So you know uh. we're gonna try it. Again. Yeah, you know, you know the pretzels were having a good time because I was not sure on them. So yeah, 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 yeah. So um, there was some incidents, you know, um, you know, from earlier this week. Um, actually, one particular incident, and I want to talk about that a little bit later. We'll be taking calls during the second half of the show. So, you know, guys, again, if you're going to listen in, I appreciate it. If you catch it in the archives, I appreciate it. If you want to call in and express yourself, you can do that. The call-in number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. And if you want to talk to us, you can press 1. Otherwise, you can just listen to the show. Um, they scheduled us for two and a half hours. I guess they gave me an extra half hour to make up for the inconvenience there, right? So um, that's how that goes. But that was interesting there. You know, I guess, you know, people don't want us talking about black women and black history and stereotypes. But, you know, we're going to knock this off the box, and we are going to talk about this today. So um, basically... (laughs) We're going to do a four-part series, you guys. Today is the first show, and today we'll be talking about black women being stereotyped while sitting in the seat of the scornful. And I know some of you all may be saying, sitting in the seat of the scornful, what do you mean sitting in... You know, that's biblical, and, and, and that's the reason why I'm using it, because, you know, for so long, black women have been vilified and demonized by, you know, and and I'm not saying everyone, I'm just talking in general, by, you know, white people as well as black men and other black women. And and while we're sitting in the seat of the scornful, we're still expected to be strong. We're still expected to raise our family. We're still expected to, you know, clean up the house, clean up everybody's problems, you know, bring home the bacon and cook that shit too, right? That is what is expected Mm -hmm. of us. And to sit down with the children and help them with their homework and then screw whoever we, you know, happen to be with, you know, through the night. And, and, and we're supposed to be selfless and do all of that without thinking of ourselves. See, this is the way that this has been set up, and this is not the way that, you know, life works. And when we, when we speak up and say, no, no more of this, I'm going to put myself first, because how can I help you if I can't help myself? And and so then, you know, the more scorn and ridicule and disdain that comes our way because we are no longer putting, you know, the black man in the center of our world. We're no longer putting white people in the center of our world. And, and so that becomes a problem because for black women in general, we are expected to be, you know, feminine or as feminine as possible, because you have the ones over here that are saying that black women are too masculine. And so it's just, it's crazy, you guys. So that's why we want to talk about these things. We're going to talk about Mammy, Aunt Jemima, Jezebel, Sapphire, the angry black woman, the strong, independent black woman. There's so many hats that they want us to wear. And when we wear some of these hats and we're assertive, then we're a bitch, or we're angry, and they they try to use that strength or that independence or that confidence against us. So it's like, you know, you don't know exactly, you know, what to do. That's what I'm saying. You're sitting in the seat of the scornful. And for those of you that are, you know, um, Church going, and I'm talking about way, way, way back when you would have the mothers' role, and they would put a seat in some of these churches. And whoever was the target that week, or the pastor, whoever pissed him off, you would have to sit in the seat of the scornful. And the mothers would come over and pray on you. You'd be leaving there with the oily or uh, olive oil face, all of that. So it's just, it's really interesting. But you know, we're going, to, we're going to elaborate on these stereotypes and much, much more. We're going to talk about how these stereotypes are still alive and perpetuated by white people and black people so we're going to talk about that um, on the second show We're going to discuss extensively Fannie Lou Hamer, Ella Baker, and the three founders of Black Lives Matter, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi. And it's important that we recognize these three women of color, LGBTQ women of color, and they started the Black Lives Matter campaign, and they started this right after Trayvon Martin was executed you know, in, in Florida. And it's important that we understand who these black women are, you know, including Fannie Lou and Ella, which is why they're the center of the show. it's important for us to know who they are and to understand what happened and, 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 and to address how they were written out and factored out of history, because you all have heard of Martin Luther King. You, many of you have heard of, you know, um, you know, Jesse Jackson and all of these different people. And basically, you know, we're sitting here and we definitely want to talk about, you know, these different issues. And we're gonna we're going to address the trope that's out there that every twenty eight hours, you know, a person of color is killed. But we're going to include women trans women and girls, because unfortunately, with the Black Lives Matter, you know, you have some black men out here that feel that that particular movement is just for black men, and they're telling women, when women try to remind them that, you know, women and trans women and girls are included, they try to say that we're derailing the movement. We started the damn movement. And, And when you say Black Lives Matter, you may as well, you know, my thing is all Black Lives Matter. Black women and girls matter, too. So, you know, I have to thank Lakeisha Bougie Black Girl for, you know, a Twitter chat she did a couple of weeks ago, and we definitely supported her on that. But, you know, you have some people out there, when we we tweet stories you know, about women and use the hashtag of Black Lives Matter, we're getting pushback saying that, you know, we're derailing it because this should be centered around black men. And unfortunately that is what happened with the civil rights movement as well as the black power movement. And we're going to talk about the misogyny behind those during the second and third show. But um, again, you know, we want to make sure we include trans women in next week's show as well because, Trans women have been living this absolutely horrific reality, and they've been getting killed. You have people out here burning them alive, and it's just it's outrageous. And so we need to talk about that. And, you know, we're going to remember these people and talk about them. On the third show, we're going to talk about how women start support and fund these movements. And, you know, again, you know, when we talk about religion, we talk about how as majority black women in the church and how they fund these churches. Without the, the, the money from the black women, the churches would not function. And what we're trying to do is to get women to understand their power and to, it, to, you know, basically encourage them to take their agency back. I've said it several times. You know, the pastor works for you. These so-called civil rights leaders, you know, when you put money into their coffers, they work for you. You need to understand where your power is and utilize it to the best of your ability. But you know, we're going to talk about how women have been co-opted out of history and out of our own movements. You know, Fannie Lou Hamer, she died in poverty, and she was pivotal. Right. You know, and Ella Baker, even though she was able to go on to to have powerful positions, she was not given the credit. If, if there was no Ella Baker, you would not have had Martin Luther King Jr. And, you know, I just need for you guys to understand, you know, what's happening here because, you know, it's important that you understand these people. I told you all once before, and I want you to I want you guys to go out and research, during the March on Washington, during the Civil Rights Movement, there were two marches. The men went down Pennsylvania and the women went down Independence. And a lot of people didn't realize that there were two marches. You know, all they saw were the men. Mm-hmm. And there it, it was a lot of misogyny, a lot of patriarchy. And this is why sometimes I sit there and I look at some people and I just shake my head and I palm my face because it's like they, they want to perpetuate and uphold patriarchy, but then they say they want, you know, their just due. But when you're upholding patriarchy, that means you have to put the men first. And so by doing that, you're humbling yourself and and playing a subservient role. And this is what has been happening. And when we push back, like we're doing now and saying, no, this is not how it works, then that's when we're called the angry black woman, we're called bitch, we're called all kinds of names. So, you know, we need to discuss what's happening, especially with this Black Lives Matter movement, because this is here and now. And, you know, they're trying, you know, these power-hungry men, black men, are trying to co-opt these women out of history. And it's not even black men. You have some whites as well. Because during these protests, you know, these mass protests across the country, they have had to tell some of the white people to sit in, in the back, basically not necessarily sit in the back, but to get back behind them and not to do any media interviews. Because you have some white people out here who want to speak to and about black pain. But, you know, what's interesting about some saying white people is we can't get them to speak up about racism directly. So when you're sitting there and one of your racist friends are making these derogatory comments, do you speak up right then and there and shut it down? You know, because, I mean just the way that i see it we need white allies we need for you all to step up there have been a few examples recently in which um black people were being harassed by the police and white people walked up and told the police officers to leave the black person alone and to leave their neighborhood and guess what the police left and nice. so it's just it's- Really interesting. So, I mean, we're going to talk about that. And I want to make sure that everybody understands and acknowledges that Black Lives Matter is the millennial movement. And I do not want them to allow the old civil rights vanguard to come in and take it over. No. All they've they've been ineffective. All they've done since, you know, the assassination of, you know, Martin Luther King, all they've done is fatten their pockets in their stomachs. They have done nothing to progress our community. As a matter of fact, we've taken steps back. We are in worse condition now. So, you know, we're going to talk about all of this, you know, because you know, as they say, the struggle is real. On the fourth show, you know, we're going to basically we're going to incorporate two books, which is Bell Hooks' book, We Real Cool, and then um, looking for Reed Leroy, which is Mark Anthony Neal's book. Earlier this week, I gave you some titles for some books. I'll give them out again. Ella Baker and the Black Freedom Movement, A Radical Democratic Vision, um, Sisters in a Struggle, African American Women in the Civil Rights, Black Power Movements. Living for the Revolution, Black Feminist Organizations, 1968 through 1980, and Clinging to Mammy, the Faithful Slave in 20th Century America, which is the central theme to today's show. And there's a couple of other books that I would tell you all that you may want to check out as well. Um, Ceramic Uncles and Celluloid Mammy's, Black Images and Their Influence on Culture, and that's by Patricia Turner, and Slave in a Box. The strange career of Aunt Jemima. So we're gonna talk about those things. Um, you know, Aunt hmm. Jemima's family. I never heard right of that one before. Yeah, yeah, child, you know you know, I'd be reading and reading and reading, reading is fundamentally. You put me on to some you put me on to some new stuff today. I ain't worried about that. And, um, and now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna send you I'm Do gonna send you a uh, PDF. Stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna send you a PDF um, you know, um, talking about um that a little bit so um yeah yeah really cool. yeah. yeah exactly and so you know i just hope everybody comes back and they listen they don't click on that old link cuz i got rid of it so uh, God, <laughs> you know <laughs> Because they'll see it. They'll see it. Even if they don't catch it live, they can catch it in the archives. I appreciate you. So, again, we're Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to live and think for yourself, not convert you. So, we want you to read, we want you to research. We want you to be able to stand flat foot with confidence and to be able to challenge others, to be able to, be able to, you know, understand the history and be able to explain it to others. See, that's how you know when you actually know the subject matter, when you can explain it to others and explain it in a very few sentences. If you're sitting there you're giving me this soliloquy, you don't understand the subject. It's not that complicated, right. you know. And so I'm just sitting there. So anyway, we're going to move on with that. But, um, you know, we're going to address what's happening with Bill Cosby. You know, how many women? Is it now 32? I lost track. Something like that. You know, and, you know, you have these women out here. And, you know, you have a lot of women and men, black and white. Saying that, you know, it's a conspiracy against Bill Cosby or these women, you know, they wanted it or, you know, just all of these different excuses, the victim blaming. And, you know, Bill Cosby's, you know, team, now they're looking for dirt, you know, to to try to besmirch these women's reputation. Now, mind you, some of these 30, 40 years later, what are they going to get out of this? besides self-satisfaction and understanding that maybe they're encouraging some of the some of the other women out here who have fallen victim you know to to sexual assault you know what have you to speak up and and the thing is is that you know unfortunately, especially in America, when women speak up they are they are constantly being re revictimized, which is why you have a lot of people who do not speak up, so you know we have to change that. We have to change that narrative because, you know, it's absolutely horrific. So, you know, um, Miranda, let's talk about his interview that he gave the other day. Now, again, I'm not going to take any calls until the second hour. And the telephone number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. And you know, we're gonna talk about these things and you know, we have a couple of rape apologists that listen to the show. This is not an invitation for you to call in and to say, you know, you know, if the woman changes her mind in the middle, why is it still considered rape? Because she said no. Okay. Right. So let's,
1: let's and she's know, not let me-
0: obligated and she is not obligated to let you bust the nut. She's not. Exactly, you know what I mean? I'm just being real it's, about it. that's not that's I, that's what it is. She's not obligated to to stay in it until you climax. She's a human being and she has a right to decide what to do with her body. just like you have the right to decide to do with what what do with your body, what you want, you know exactly, and it's not it's not okay. This is not okay exactly. so let's talk about that creepy interview he gave. In which you know he seems you know let's let's be fair. The interview started out initially. They were talking to Mr. Cosby about the importance of the Cosby Show and the role that that model you know played in a lot of people's lives, the impact that it had on a lot of people, black and white in this country, and, you know, another other races, too. I don't want anybody to think that I'm excluding other races, just everybody, because it was, you know, um, it was a groundbreaking show. I'll give credit when it's due, but he went on to elaborate. See, this is why you don't answer questions that aren't asked, okay? <laughs> you, know, you know, if you have any friends that are lawyers, they will tell you, do not answer questions that were not asked, okay? And he went on to elaborate and say that, you know, he didn't mind Felicia marrying Ahmad, but when she got pregnant, you know, the intimacy that him and Felicia used to show each other as Mr and Mrs. Huxtable, you know, that kinda got lost in the chase because Basically, he couldn't be intimate and playful with her anymore. So it seems like he has some resentment towards, you know, Ahmaud, not necessarily Felicia or a Baby Bolt, who knows, you know, because, you know, she decided that she wanted to have a child with her husband. I mean, was it written into the contract mm-hmm. that she couldn't, I mean, you know, you know, some of these contracts, you know, you don't write shit like that in there. They used I mean, to have, that? yeah, they used to, and they used to do it. They used to do it a lot more. Um, right they used to do it a lot more but people the people are you know the people are sort of outraged by that kind of thing and and, and some people's attitude and attitudes have changed like I, I think I was reading something about one of the stars of I think that new movie called Into the Woods she found out uh-huh. during filming that she was pregnant so, but they decided that they just would work with it you know rather than to put things behind you know right. her pregnancy wasn't written into the script or anything like that. She just was a little heavier than she would normally be. Exactly, exactly. And then they have the graphics, they have the software out there to just slim her up just a little bit, so it's no big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So so you have that there, but, you know, again, um, it's just, it's outrageous, and, you know, when I hear people having that conversation and, you know, talking about, you know, rape and all of these things, I just hear too many people blaming the victim, re the victim, and this is why you don't have a lot of people coming forward. And if they do come forward, they try to keep it hushed. You know, they don't want it, you know, in the forefront. I mean, what good is it going to do these women 30, 40 years later, you know, putting it out in public besides giving other people the courage to come out and speak and tell their stories? It's not like these women are really going after him for remuneration. You have a few that are, you know, but the thing is. Right, but most of them are just coming forward with their stories, you know, because they've been given, they've been given courage you know, to come forward. I mean, he can't even be prosecuted for a lot of these crimes because of the statute of limitations. Exactly. And that's, and that's part of the problem with the statute of limitations. Like, I mean, obviously, we want to err on the side of, you know, you know, justice and, you know, possibly protecting people who may, in fact, be innocent. But the fact of the matter is, is that False rape accusations are very rare. They're right. extremely rare, and the and the re, and the reason that is is because of of what we see right now with the shaming and the victim blaming and the um you know right now Cosby's agents are basically pouring over these women's lives looking for any any little uh, ounce of something that might pull their character into question. You know, right. I mean, it's it's pretty sickening. Um, As though, you know, yeah, as though someone who maybe cheated on their taxes or had some legal or financial trouble, you know, um, you know, coming forward necessarily means they made their story up. You know, it's just like that story at UVA. And and I'm going to say this because I don't know what I don't know what happened with this person. But but something tells me that something happened while they were at UVA, that parts of their story were absolutely true. But this is the thing about trauma and memory, mm-hmm. particularly when we've had traumatic events happen in our lives, those, um, the, the facts, you know, that doesn't, you know, trauma doesn't help solidify memory. It's not like the trauma just, you know, just seals in the facts. As a matter of fact, it, it's more likely to do the opposite. You're more likely to have things that are, you know, mix. You know, things right. that don't necessarily match. You know, right. Um, for all we know, for all we know, that whoever did rape her said that they were a part of that fraternity. For all, exactly. We, you know, but 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 you know, maybe they didn't. Maybe they weren't, and maybe they weren't a part of even a part of the school. I mean, I I, I know we've all I know, I know we, not all of us have been to college, but I've been to a number of college parties where a lot of people who weren't from the school came. you know what i mean exactly it's just so there's any number right So right yeah so there's so there's any number of things that could have happened and from my understanding she didn't even really feel comfortable publishing her story you know what i mean so the fact that now all of this um all of this all of these people are investigating you know the victim and and um pouring over her history she didn't say that she wanted to bring up charges. She didn't say that she even wanted the school to do anything. She didn't even really want her story published. You know what I mean? So at the end of it, it's like, you know, it's really just about, it's, it's really just a witch hunt. And it really just boils down to the fact that the, the, the things that we believe traditionally about women are, um, you know, have a, a, you know, always puts the woman in a situation right. where she's suspect. It doesn't matter if there's a camera involved, a la Ray yeah. Rice. You know what I mean? That's right. It doesn't matter. Although, of course, Janae Rice defended him, but that's neither here nor there. Very, the very the From the very start, everyone was, you know, uh, oh, well, what did she do? You know what right, I mean? As right. though that mattered it's when someone obviously used inappropriate... I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I just said Stockholm is very real, but go ahead, honey. I mean, I don't even know that it's Stockholm. I mean, you could say it's really Stockholm or, or not, but I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that there's a lot of people uh, who are in abusive relationships, and oftentimes victims love their, you know, the people who perpetrate violence against them. They just don't like the violence. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I exactly. mean, it's you know, and there's and there's all kinds of factors that can play into, you know, what co- what the causes of domestic violence are. You know, some of it's coping mechanisms, some of it's, you know, distress, some of it's, you know, it's, it's a whole bunch of things that can play into it. And, yes, sometimes victims do hit back. You know what I mean? But a victim hitting back doesn't necessarily mean that they're no longer a victim, you know? But, um, yeah. So, I mean, but in this particular situation, I mean, Bill Cosby has definitely set... A, um, a pattern of behavior that demonstrates that he um, he feels entitled to these women and their bodies, um, That you know, and that he has some, you know, some pretty sick um, and, and, and somewhat twisted ways of looking at things. I mean, imagine someone saying that, you know, oh, I was okay with it. What is, what is there to be okay with? You know what I mean? She's a grown woman marrying a grown man, And she's not your daughter or or a family member or anyone that you, you know, have to, I mean, not that you should get, I I really don't even like the convention of uh, of a fiancé going to the family and asking for this, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I really don't even like that convention. But, I mean, certainly if if Ahmad Rashad was going to do that, he didn't need to go to to Bill Cosby, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. You know he had to pay the salary. He had to bring a couple of goats and some chickens. What's wrong? Oh goodness, hilarious! (laughs) Well, in the in the the old times, Bill Cosby in in the old times with all these women that Bill Cosby, it looks like he's raped or assaulted. He he'd have about thirty two wives by now. So (laughs) you know. Exactly. I mean, the Bible did say, you know, you know, with rapists that they had to, you know, marry the woman that, you know, they deflowered, if you will. So um, mm. it's just interesting. When you have the women fighting back like they're doing now, you'll hear people saying, oh, they just have sour grapes. They're just angry. They just have all of these issues. And, you know, that's one of the stereotypes. And let's start out with that one, with the angry black woman. And this is the one that, you know, kind of really rubs me the wrong way. What is wrong with anger? Everyone else seems to be able to express, you know, their emotions, and in particular their anger. You know, with some men, when they express their anger, they're seen as being direct. They're seen as being assertive and aggressive. But with with many women, especially... the the reason is, well, I was going to say the reason is is because women are, are irrational. So if you know that's that's the belief is that women are irrational and they're not capable of reason and logic the same way that men are so in order to um to uh, to discredit a woman when she is um coming forward and try to make it seem as though she's just emotional um as though emotions are are necessarily a bad thing, but they that's how they try to characterize it. Yeah, exactly. And that argument about, you know, why so angry, sis? You know, we get this all the time. You know, they use that to try to shut down the argument as well, because unfortunately with with black women, you know, we have been trained to to police our tone, and, and when dealing with people, especially with white people, use a calm, serene, soothing voice as to not you know, to upset the other person that we're speaking to. And it's it's unfortunate. And, you know, there is nothing wrong with anger. It's an emotion. It's a real emotion. You know, some people have, you know, righteous anger. Some people have passion. There are a number of things. But the question is, if someone is angry, there has to be a reason why. But it goes from asking you know the question "Why to just blaming, and then at the end, when you look at the whole situation at the end, the question was still never answered as to why she's angry because it went from you know uh, you know why is water wet to "Why are you so angry?" and the question, mm-hmm. "Why is water wet was never answered, and nobody cares <laughs> about the answer to the question right right. right, right. <laughs> Um, you know. But yeah, I mean it's it's really just about it's really just all goes back to women being, you know, irrational, duplicitous. You know what I mean? They think that women just are are manipulators and just incapable of being reasoned with. And that's why they throw the angry thing around. It's just about it's just I mean it's 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 angry the way that it's used against black women in particular is just like the word crazy but they don't want to say that you're crazy to start off with they're going to escalate to that right but (laughs) they're going to they're going to start off with angry as though anger somehow negates your point you know right it's just ridiculous Right, exactly, you know, and, you know, it's interesting when you see black women do that to other black women. Oh, she's just angry or she's just crazy, you know, just because, you know, you may have a different viewpoint. But, I mean, on a lot of these arguments, it's just absolutely interesting. But a lot of people don't realize, you know, when you stamp these labels on, you know, black women, it's extremely damaging, you know,
1: and...
0: so again, yeah, even yeah though- it silences them. There's a lot of women who don't speak up for themselves, because they don't want to deal with the perception that they're angry and, and hard and all of these other sort of masculine, especially for black women, because black women are not particularly regarded as feminine in in, in the larger society. And, and we're always, um, you know, people are always attacking our 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 femininity and our beauty, and, you know, we're not celebrated for these things, whereas white women are, are very celebrated for being, you know, the, the, um, the standard for beauty, the standard for femininity. So for a Black woman to be attacked in that way it is very, very hurtful. It, it, really, it, it really cuts her deep when you try to say those things. Exactly. It's interesting that you brought up feminism, because unfortunately, there is a different perception of white feminism and black feminism, you know. And well, I didn't bring up feminism. I was talking about femininity, but, I mean, but it, I well, guess. Well, I'm just know. talking about you know, white women's feminism versus black women's feminism, and, you know, why there's some anger there from black women. But anyway, we won't go into that. We'll move on. But <laughs> but um, no i just I just wanted to make that distinction clear because we have people at home who don't know what feminism is versus uh-huh. you know, femininity. so you That's know what I mean? like, so there's there's a difference there, so you don't wanna conflate the two. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. And maybe I said it on the show that nobody heard me, but I think I was I was talking about how, or I think I said it on this one, so I don't remember. It's all a big blur now because I, you know, repeated some stuff. So basically, um, you know, you have some people out here that feel that, you know, black women in general do not exude femininity that black women, you know, exude this masculinity. And, but then on the other hand, they want black women to exude this femininity. But then when, when some women try, you know, it's just, it's a big, big ball of confusion. And this is why we need to start having these conversations. But, you know, let's go back to the stereotype um, of the angry black woman. You know, we have to understand the difference between a woman who does not take crap from anyone and a woman who is needlessly aggressive. There is a difference. I don't know. I don't know that there really is. But I, but either way, I feel like the mass in the, in the, in, okay, in, in, in most people's minds, right, per mm-hmm. our conditioning, there's no real distinction between the two. You know wow. what I'm saying? Even assertive, even assertive black women, right? Are 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 um. I think there was a study I read. They were talking about workplace politics. They were talking about um, how assertive black women are viewed. Not aggressive black women, but assertive black women right. were viewed, and they were viewed as particular as even when they were just being assertive, they were just viewed as being um. You know, not very friendly. Not um, you know, their personalities were not seen as being conducive to that work environment. Right. But these are, the, these are these are these um, are traits that are highly praised, particularly in white men. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Being assertive, right. you know, stepping up. You know what I mean, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't really think that there is a difference. Um, you know, on a on a you know, to most people you know what I mean, in, in terms of quality. I don't think there's really a difference. It's all gets wow. to the same. It's all about a woman stepping outside of her, quote, unquote, place, right? Because right. women are supposed to be accommodating. Women are supposed to be nurturing. They're supposed to be um, subservient, um, you know, submissive, all of these kinds of things. And even when they're put in situations where, where being assertive is really a, a good trait, Right, they're still seen as being aggressive, and they're still seen as being negative, and they're still seen as being all of these other things, you know. And and this is something that I've had to learn, and I wish I would have learned it earlier in life, you know what I mean. But it's something that I've I've definitely seen and experienced myself, you know what I mean. So I I I don't believe that there's really a difference, you know what I mean, between a, uh, to most people between a woman who's just Assertive and a woman who's, you know, really aggressive. I don't. I don't see it. I don't think most people see a difference. And you see, know? that's unfortunate. That's extremely unfortunate. You know that you know people don't see the difference but again this is where education comes in this is where we challenge people to you know understand your biases recognize your biases do some research on these things so that you know you can become you know a more understanding compassionate person towards others but also understand the position that you've been put in because you know like you said you know you learn these things you know when you were older and so did i and there are still some things that I'm navigating through to try to understand, you know, certain behaviors and certain reactions and why this is the reaction. And, you know, you sit back and you start looking at the patterns. You know, that's what I do. I look at patterns, you know. Anyway, so, you know, I pay attention to these types of things, but... um Again, you know, get out here, ask some questions, you know, do not allow anyone to, you know, influence your behavior, Um, you know, because, you know, in a lot of situations, I see some women out here saying, well, I'm not like those other girls, or you will have some white people saying, well, you're not, you know, like the other ones. And, and it's, it's just it's really interesting because, you know, sometimes when we express that anger, you'll have people saying, well, you're just being overly sensitive, not taking into right. account that what they said was extremely offensive. And the fact that you're responding, right. you know, I just, you know, being angry, being sensitive, expressing emotion, being human. Why is that such a bad thing for black women? You know, I've never been able to understand that. I don't understand it now, but I know, you know, we have to address this and start showing people, you know, how this is damaging and how it's hurtful. And the thing is is that we don't have the monopoly on on, on all of these emotions. You know, it's just quite I mean, but you know, I think a lot of it, it, and I, I want to go back to the to, to the anger part too, and talk about the racial component, because there is the there's the there's the okay. So black women have to deal with two things. They have to deal with the sexism, and they have to deal with racism as well. And all of the sexism gets colored by our race too. So it becomes sort of the, its own its own entity, you know, its own thing, you know. But I think that we have to talk about, particularly in America that, Well, really, just anywhere in the world, people are not comfortable with black anger, right? Because there's this, there's this, there's this idea that black people are inferior, whether stated or unstated. There's this notion that we're that we're inferior, that we're not as capable as other, and so there's a place that we're supposed to occupy, right? It's an order right. to society. There's a place that we're supposed to occupy, and. The times that we got angry in the past, you know, we, we had a tendency to wreck shit, you know what I mean? Because we didn't have, um, you know, anything at our, at our means at, as a means of disposal, um, but, right. you know, wrecking shit, you know what I mean, and, um, and right. uprising. So a lot of times people are um, very um, scared and threatened by black anger. And because there's this idea that black people are particularly violent, you know, mm-hmm. that we're innately violent, that we have, um, that we have a lack of control. Um, right. You know, people are very scared and threatened by Black anger. And so that, combined with the whole notion that women are, are already illogical and Black people right. are illogical as well, Black women get it even worse because here you are right. a woman who doesn't know she's a woman, who's also Black, you know what I mean, Exactly. And you're getting and you're getting out of place with me. You know, exactly. So it's, it's very it's no, very threatening. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna tie that in because you know you're right. You know, you know we were seen as inferior, and you know, black anger or black rage. Tends to intimidate. And that ties into the savage stereotype that they have of blacks. You know, and it's really interesting when that article came out. You know, on one hand, they think we're inferior, but on the other hand, they think we're these superhumans. So, I mean, if you go back and you start looking at some of the, you know, when. With, with some of the ways that they've transmitted these stereotypes. You can go and look at some early silent movies. Um, I have some listed here. The Wooing and Wedding of a Coon, that came out in 1904. The Slave in 1905. The Sambo series, 1909 through 1911. And The Nigger in nineteen fifteen and what they did was they talked about the stereotypes, you know, through the new medium, which was the movies. And you know, again we all know what yeah, you know, the, the very first H- movies the very first movies were racist as hell. Exactly. Both hands down. They were racist as shit. W um was it um I forget his first name in, in middle initial or whatever, but um Birth of a Nation, racist yeah, as hell. Movies. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm supporting you, girl. I'm supporting you. I got your back. You, you, know. Know. You, you know. I know. I know. I'm just not, I'm just not going I'm, I'm telling you I'm not going to remember it. You know, his, the fact that I remember his last name for me is enough. I don't need to remember the rest of that crap. Nah. we good. <laughs> I, know, okay. I, just, you know, I just want you to know you got backup over here, right? Anyway. No. So yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. Thank you for the backup. I'm just telling you, I'm not going. I'm not going to waste my brain power trying to remember them two initials. So we're good. Cool. Oh. Oh. Yes, but, you know, I've been sitting back. And so, you know, the act of racial violence, you know, people don't realize there used to be a time when white people could just walk up to blacks. They used to do it to black women all the time and black men, but we're talking about black women today. And white people, they could just go up to you and start beating you and just kill you out of the blue they were able to do that. That is why a lot of parents sent their children from the South to the North, not realizing that the North is actually as racist, if not more than the South. And so it's just, It's just really interesting, but we want you to understand, you know, the history, but at the end of the day, just, you know, to, you know, I know you're like, why did you bring up the movies? Basically to, you know, uh, reiterate what what Raina just said is that, you know, the the urgent message that was, you know, being sent to whites then and now is that we must put blacks in their place or else. And that is what you're saying. And part of the reason... Go ahead. and part of the reason why they wanted to put us in our place, if you watch those movies, a lot of those movies are are predicated on the notion that black pe- that black men in particularly are um, in particular rather are um, are uncontrolled sexually, and that right. they're prone to raping white women, and this notion that um, that black people have this um, prime uh, primitive or primal sexuality that was uncontrolled um, was, uh, was a major component of sort of the fear uh, um, that fueled racism. Um, and it, of course, when it came to Black women, there was, it wasn't so much a, a fear aspect, but this notion that Black people were, were, had a primitive sexuality made it so that Black women could not be raped. Yes exactly yes by by, by, by definition yeah. well, I mean right. the the law never included us to begin with, but it, 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 it I mean but the basically, why it the because law, of this is perception children. right right, but I'm, I'm just talking about because when the children came from those rates, you know it used to be that you know the, the race of the father, the child will be identified with that oh, so right, right. and of course, oh. yeah, 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 Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that that aspect. But yeah, when it comes to the actual rape, you could not even prosecute. Um except exactly. maybe in, in the case of somebody raping your slave without your permission. But then that was a property issue, not a not a a right. rape issue. You know, that's someone exactly. damaging property. But the point is is that um black women could not be raped and and it and it went on for, you know, well into the 20th century i mean we're talking about Tom thurman um raping his um you know his his um his servants you know in his house right. and and um his you know he has a half black child if, for those of you that don't know um so yeah so you know you can look these things up but you know um you couldn't prosecute successfully anywhere in this country the rape of a black woman well into the 20th century so and 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 again part of it is is because of this notion of the primitive sexuality and also all of the other you know uh, sexist crap that women in Mm -hmm. general have to deal with like this idea that women are duplicitous um there's this notion that women are duplicitous and the the women the black women are particularly sexual is part of a lot of the responsibility politics that came up because There's this idea that black uh, that black women in particular used their sexuality to survive slavery. Not that black women had no choice in the matter, but that black women actively seduced white men um, for advantage and for privileges, which is which is not which is definitely not true. Um, certainly not on a large, any large scale, black women were regarded as property. They couldn't, you could not rape them. They were unrapeable. And regardless exactly. uh, of whether or not, and regardless of whether or not they consented, there's really no consenting in a situation where you're regarded as property. You you really have right. no say so. Whether you say yes or no, it's getting done. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So. Exactly. Exactly. Then also, you know, some of the studies that have been out, and you all have read these articles where it says, you know, um, the medical bias, the bias in the medical community that feel that, you know, black people are able to cope with more pain than white people right. that, you know, were sensitive to pain, that, you know, to pain. And a lot of black women, when they were experiencing, you know, childbirth, you know, they automatically were assumed to have experienced very little pain while birthing that child. And then they used to compare that with, you know, um, animals, you know, bearing whatever it is that they're bearing. You know, they're little people. But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, because of the stereotypes that are out there. And that is still pervasive today. So that's why, you know, that, yeah, you know, we're talking about these issues. We want you all to go out and, you know, research these things. It's extremely important that you understand this because then you can understand why people act a certain way, why people treat you a certain way. I'll give you a personal example. Okay, so, you know, I've told you all a few times I have lupus, right? So mm-hmm. I have a very high tolerance for pain very high tolerance for pain, and um, I was hospitalized last year. And basically, in that particular situation, I didn't go to the hospital where my doctors are. I went to a hospital that was closest to my home. And while there, because I was not their patient, And I really do feel feel that there was some bias there. Instead of, you know, them looking into, you know, the issue, they did a chest X-ray, they did a CAT scan, but they tried to attribute it to my fibromyalgia as opposed to my lupus. They didn't give me the proper treatment because they should have given me steroids to stop the pain because I thought I was having a heart attack. You know, it's called pleurisy. But, you know, when I went to my doctor, to my hospital, they agreed with me that it was the lupus and that this other hospital just basically blew me off. And this happens a lot. It happens a lot. You know, I had to, you know, pretty much... Um, with some of the other doctors that I see, I had to do a whole song and dance for them to understand how much pain I was in when they took one particular panel, well, they did a blood work, and it was one particular panel that shows inflammation, which is swelling in your body. My levels were six, seven, eight times the normal limit. And why uh, so I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I keep telling you all I'm in pain. You know, but it was only then that they administered the correct medicine, but that was after I had a fit in the doctor's office. But it shouldn't have to you know, mm-hmm. go to that level. You know, that shouldn't shouldn't have to be that way. But um so that was just to give you a personal example of that particular situation. But um again, you got these stereotypes out here. Let's move on. What do you want to talk about? You wanna talk about many minutes? Well, right hold on. Well, I was gonna actually transition into that. So um
1: oh,
0: actually um and further and going further back into the into the race thing real quick for a second. Part of uh, so the mammy and the sort of Jezebel stereotype, they worked together because um it was because people um believed that black women were um unattractive, right? So Mammy was unattractive, was an unattractive, servile black woman, right? But, um, but she wasn't regarded as particularly sexual, right? But, um, right. and she, and she wasn't regarded as particularly sexual, but um, the notion of Mammy helped to fuel the uh, idea of, that black women were, you know, seductresses, you know what I right. mean? saying. So right. they're they're unattractive, but they're but they're um, because they have this primal sexuality, they um, they use it to their advantage, or they right. or they force themselves essentially on white. I mean, imagine black women forcing themselves on white men. You know what right. I mean? But this was right. the, this was the type of foolishness that people came up with. You know, exactly. And, and, you know, that, oh, yeah, but say, you know, but not only that, a lot of that translated into the black community. You, you know, because I mean, we've all heard stories about some of these people in leadership positions, the pastors or, community activists or what have you that would force themselves on young people, particularly, you know, young black girls or or even women, you know, um, in their churches. And then, you know, because, I mean, we've seen incidents in which grown men have, you know, raped, you know, seven, eight-year-old little girls. And then they try to say that the young girl was a seductress, that, you know, she right. seduced, you know. Seduced but it's even man. worse you know, when it comes to, Black children, yeah. It's even worse when it comes to black children. And, I mean, it, it just look at some of these incidents that have occurred where, you know, young girls of color were raped. Um, you know, there was an incident, I believe, in Chicago a few years back where a young black girl, um, I, don't, I don't know how, how, how old she was, but she was, she was young. Um, mm-hmm. She was basically raped by 20 men ranging in age from like 14 all the way up into their 20s. And right. um, I mean people in, in her community, um, you know, they blamed her and they said she exactly. must have wanted it. Um, exactly. You know, it's, you know it, but, the whole, but the whole notion of this primal sexuality um, gives way to this belief that um, black bodies, no matter how young, are mature bodies. They're sexually mature bodies. And right. um and so, you know, they these you know that basically their bodies are sex, you know. They're ready mm-hmm. for sex. You know, exactly uh, like basically out of the out of the womb essentially. You know? Exactly, exactly. And you know, you have a lot of different, you know, um, you know, ways to look at this, you know, and it's just, wow. So, you know, just to kind of give you a little history on um, Sapphire, you know, that's that's the one that's supposed to be, you know, well, no, not Sapphire, I apologize, Jezebel. Because you were talking about Jezebel, right? Yeah, Jezebel was earlier, and then I was talking about just the nanny. I was trying to transition into nanny, but we got kind of stuck on Jezebel. But basically, oh, okay. the whole nanny thing was... Talk about nanny. Yeah, so the nanny... Yeah, so nanny... Mammy's a servile black woman, and her, she became popularized in the post um, in the post Civil War period during Reconstruction, when uh, white people were basically nostalgic for um, for you know the pre Civil War days and and black, and having black people to know their place and being served by black people, um, and so this notion of this sort of happy jolly um, servile black women um, became mm-hmm. their symbol um, to the point that, and, and it was, a, it also was an attempt to rewrite history to make it seem as though right. um, slaves were happy in their conditions and, um, and that, you know, or that they were happier under slavery than they were um, under right. Reconstruction. And um, it got to the point that they even tried to erect a Mammy um, monument on the mall in washington yeah twice um yeah, yeah twice and it, it failed it failed both times thankfully um to, due to uh the efforts of, of numerous people but primarily black people within the naact and within our um within our uh newspapers and and periodicals that were you know written like the crisis and the chicago defender and uh, right. some of the other and um you know we we just weren't having it, <laughs> and we shut it down. Um, you know, but <laughs> we, we weren't having it. it was it was pretty bad. but um but yeah, it's you know the mammy oh, yeah. the mammy figure is is really troubling um, for a number of reasons. and part of it is um, part of part of it is and, and if you read in clinging to Mammy, what you'll see is that part of it is is because of the assumptions about black parenthood. That black right. people, and, and, and not just black parenthood, but black people being able to be civil in general or civilized. You know, um, there's this notion that slavery had a civilizing effect on black people, um, that they were otherwise, um, you know, running around like barbarians, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, and there's all of these, and there's all of these really troubling stereotypes about the African continent and all of that that you can look into to support that but um there's you know the pickaninnies particularly right so mammy mammy was very good to white children um but what what demonstrated what demonstrated to white people the fact that slavery was good for for blacks is that mammy could be taught to take care of children by taking care of white people's children but what reinforced her um, inability to do that on her own was the, the notion of these pickaninny children. So the Picaninnys right. were unkept, uh, unkempt. They were, um, you know, they were always getting into trouble, um, you know, sometimes even dying or getting hurt um, mm-hmm. because of sort of lack of supervision and all of these other things. Um, you know, it's it's, it's pretty... Uh, sickening, and and it had a lot, and and if you read, um, if you read cleaning with Mammy, it had a lot to do with, um, even you know child protective services policies and social services, and you know the whole nine. So you know, you can check into that, but um, yeah, Mammy, Mammy had a lot of repercussions beyond just sort of the insulting, you know, the insulting aspects, you know, insulting black femininity insulting um the black female form or or what people think of as the black female form because we have lots of forms (laughs) we don't have one body um right but you know it's um it's pretty troubling so exactly and you even see the the mammy today in in in, um you know revamped um you know i love queen latifah i really do (laughs) but it's of aspects some of the some of the um roles that she's played, she's played has, um, sort of called up those images, um, you know, black women, servile, jovial, um, right. you know, catering to white people, um, you know, that's come up for her, um, but, you know, and, and, you know, that's not to say that like, particularly black women who had to play nannies in the past were, you know, race traders or anything, they had to do what they had to do, you know, um, totally exactly Exactly. that's why the queen had to play a maid you know and all these other women had to play maids but I you know like one of them said um, better to play a maid than to be one you know (laughs) so you know you know what we'll tie into that in a minute because I did want to talk about the help and the Butler and all of that and we'll get to that but you know wanted to expound a little bit on the Pammy thing and also in the book clinging to mammy you want to go to the third chapter the line between mother and mammy you know that will you know definitely enlighten you as to what Raina was you know speaking about i mean the whole book is exceptional but that's the chapter right there where he's, he's talking about how the mammies were expected to raise the white children and then when they would get home they wouldn't have the energy really to do anything with their own children and then half the time mm-hmm. you know it you know you know, they, it was like they, you know, had those children with them 24 7, which was interesting because, you know, I've seen some, you know, stories and some movies and read some things about how when the children got older, how they used to long for their mammy and acknowledge their mammy as their mother, which caused jealousy with the white woman who, you know, bore the children. It's just. It's kind of like a no-win situation. And, you know, what, you know, Raina was talking about was, you know, that Mammy stereotype was being, you know, um, played out until, like, the 60s, and then it just switched it out with the, mar- the matriarch stereotype, which is pretty much the same right. thing. But, you know, after the matriarch stereotype, then, you know, it turned to the welfare queen, you know, of the right. 1970s and so on. So, exactly. you know, yeah, with the man and again you the shoot. matriarch and the ma- the matriarch and the welfare queen stereotypes are the flip side of that mammy stereotype that I was talking about. The fact that mm-hmm. why, uh, that under white that uh, slavery had a civilizing impact on black people, according to many whites, and so this notion that black women otherwise were unable to take care of their kids and 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 um you know was you know was one that um that played out in the welfare queen stereotype and the matriarch stereotype, this notion that, um, you know, that black women were basically ruining black families and uh, are, are ruining generations of black children because their households were not headed by black men, you know, so. And if you talk to some of these, you know, people, let's say some, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people. And so, you know, there are these guys, you know, in this particular neighborhood that I go to and, you know, for different services. And, you know, one time they were sitting there having this talk, And I went over, I was talking to them, and I was surprised that, you know, they didn't change up the conversation, because usually when a woman comes around, they switch up the conversation, but they were used to me by now. And so they were talking about, you know, um, the state of the black community and how everything pretty much, you know, turned when black women were given the right to go to work, when black women became, you know, um, employed. And that's why the children are out of control. I mean, you just had to hear the conversation. It was, you know, it was um, enlightening to say the least, but, you know, talk to some of the people, some of the men, you know, women in your family or that you may happen to be acquainted with and, you know, ask them, you know, how they feel about these stereotypes and what has happened in our community and how we transition to where we are now. But, um, you know, going a little bit more into the mammy and then we'll transition. Um, Basically, with the mammy um, figure or the mammy stereotype, it was basically, it was like she was supposed to love the white children more than she even, you know, loved her own. And, you know, sometimes when I look at some of these people nowadays, you know, when you have the guy from Duck dynasty, the Ferguson guy, um, and you have Paula Dean and some of these other white people that, you know, talk about black women and talk about how they were like family and all you know, you know, you I've even heard some of them talk about their mammoths, you know, that raised them, you know, and and, and it's just it's interesting because with some of them in their mind they really they're not necessarily trying to be racist, but it is racist. And when we point it out, you know, you can see some of them are, like, really, really hurt. You know, they their feelings are hurt. And we're like, you know, do you not understand? But, you know, they want things to go back to the way that they were. And so um, this is why we're pointing this out. Um you know, um, the mammy, not only was she supposed to love the white children more than her own, she was supposed to give advice to the to the white woman that she served and the advice was seen you know, it seemed harmless and humorous. You know, like, you know, Prissy and Gone with the Wind and, you know, like Raina was talking about with Queen Latifa. You know, um, and some of the roles that she played and, you know, um you know, one of the other stereotypes was Um, that Mammy was considered a tyrant in her own family. You know, they said Mm -hmm. that, you know, she dominated her children and her husband with her temper, you know, and Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, you know that, you know, she controlled the African-American or the black man, you know, and and that was used to, you know, uh, further stereotype black men in their quote-unquote inferiority to whites. So you know, um, they basically would say that Mammy was masculine in her looks. That's why we were talking about that earlier. So in her looks and her temperament, and you know, not seen as a threat to white women. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you know, it's just it's it's, it's, um, it's important that you all understand this because you know this stereotype. Is in a lot of our literature and a lot of the movies, um, even with some, you know, some of the hip hop music that's out there. You know, so you really have to pay attention to, you know, what you're and, watching. Uh, you know, and the negro, right? And I and earlier I was talking, I was referring to the negro Bedouins, uh bullshit that people have been putting out there. That's uh, something that's been spread by people like Tariq Nasheed and others. You know, right. that that Negro bedwitch, uh, you know, stereotype or trope or whatever you want to call it, um, is basically their version of the mammy, basically, that they like to throw around. And uh, particularly uh, to uh, silence Black women who, um, you know, don't necessarily believe in this sort of, like, ultra-patriarchal, um, you know, black movement that that's in some of these so-called conscious um, communities, you know, because right. um, we've talked about it before, because a lot of these black conscious are, um, or these tofi Dashikiists are really just white supremacists in blackface. They, <laughs> they really, they really, um, uh, you know, they're white patriarchs in, in, in blackface. And, um, you know, they believe in the same basic structures, they really just want to exchange power with whites. They don't really right. want real freedom, you know. So. Right. And, and you know, what's interesting, you know, um, and you're right, you know, with the black nationalists and, you know, what's interesting is, again, you know, they're talking, like you said, you know, they're basically espousing um, white supremacy and black faith. And you know what's interesting is that when you know in, in quite a few cases, you'll see where the you know the whites will you know designate or pick certain people to to basically you know tell the black community, this is what you should aspire to, but they're non-threatening. They, you know these are the harmless blacks. These are the ones that will not question their agenda. These are not the ones that will assert themselves these are the ones that have no problem playing fetch and step, you know and, mm. and, you know, and, you know, getting the power that they want. So you really need to pay attention to what's out here and, and what's being offered to you. Um, and, you know, just going into, you know, what we're saying about, you know, the help and the butler and all of that. And I know you wanted to talk about, you know, Queen Latifah's movies and some of her roles. Oh, well, I mean, um, I, I honestly, I'd rather not. But, okay. <laughs> but um, you know the the. I guess you know it's just, hell I will say, yes, yeah, I know. Um, I guess all I'll say is that you know, um, these stereotypes live on. They live on, um, you know they they play out in so many places in our culture. I mean, um, you know. When you really, when you really dig into it, you you see them in in places that you didn't recognize before. Like even sort of, um, what's that movie, King Kong? You know what I mean? Right. That's even right. that's even a representation. I mean, that movie is essentially about, um, you know, sort of uh, animalistic lust for white women, right? Gone wrong, you know. Right. And King Kong is sort of a proxy for a black man. Well, you know, um, I mean, there's just so many, I mean, there's just so many places where you can see this stuff. And it's pretty, um, it's pretty crazy. Um, It just goes to show you how, you know, how much of a sickness racism really is. I mean, it's really, it's really sick. It's, it it drives a, a type of paranoia. It's really insidious. Exactly. I mean, I mean, even, even as like, it, it, it fuels all of these different myths and it's real and i mean the this whole notion of white supremacy i mean it really it's not it's not just a problem for people of color it's a problem for white people i mean you know when you exactly. think about things like even um uh, like the william birch society like you know i didn't realize this until i read it like oh, a few weeks ago <clears throat> that um the william birch society, right. It, you would think that that was named after, like, a real person. <clears> That's <throat> not named after a real person. That's named from a character in a book. Exactly. And, a character you. in a book who, was a, who had an imaginary fear of communism, you know, the way that some people in this country still have, like, this, this fear that communism, communists is just going to take over this country, you know? It's, it's so crazy. Right. Exactly, exactly. And just to go back to what you were saying earlier, you know, I pulled the information up and it's talking about how the United Daughters of the Confederacy went to Washington to lobby for the National Mammy Monument. And it was supposed yeah. to be titled Mammy Monument, and and, and it, this, it talks about how ingrained, you know, this idea is in in the mind of some whites. And you know, you're supposed to be a willing, lovable, twenty four seven surrogate protector of the white people. I mean, all of that, and, and that is. Right. What And going along with that and going along with that, um, it's really interesting because uh, Cleaning to Mammy also brought out something that I hadn't, you know, quite thought about before. And it's sort of hinted in this movie called, um, I think it's called, well, it's not really hinted in this movie. I'm trying to think. There's a movie that I saw where I saw this get hinted at. But anyway, um, because of the change after slavery, Black people wanted to be paid for their work. And white people were not used to this. You know what I mean? White people right. tried to pay black people in in scraps of food, um, yes. you know, or or leftovers. They tried to pay black people with um, with their old hand me downs. I mean, exactly. basically anything but money. You know, I mean, in some towns, even if you were poor, you could still right. afford to have a black woman come and do your laundry
1: you know right. what i mean
0: but this whole exactly. notion of not having access to a black to a, to black bodies you know not being able to you know order her to stay after nine o'clock you know what i mean because she needed to go right. home to her own house and take care of her own kids and she wasn't gonna see knew you couldn't pay it you know exactly. what i mean this whole notion exactly. was just you know it was it really infuriated a lot of white people and it really made them nostalgic for the the good old days where they didn't have to pay you a squat and you stayed in their house i mean there were some people who tried to tried to um put contracts together so that they would so even though these women were free obviously this is post slavery you know they they tried to have contracts with them that they would stay in the house and they would try to pay them in in, in hand me down just like that woman i think you guys heard about this over the summer a yeah yeah. Case of a family that um that was trying to uh elicit help getting this woman, uh this maid that they had hired out of her out of their house. Turned out the woman was illegal and that this family was basically paying her in, in, in food and cast offs. You know, and she wanted to be paid for her time. You know, right. I mean the absolute the absolute gall of this woman who expects payment for work. I mean, whew. I mean exactly. who she he was exactly exactly it, it it's just it's it's interesting because that's just across the board. you know we see it in so many different directions and 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 basically their attitude and I'll you know quote Dr. Hutchison is like, why aren't you people who come from woefully religious ghettos content with our table scraps? end quote mm-hmm. that can be applied into a number of different scenarios and it's just mm-hmm. interesting um you know how that still plays out to this day and you know how people get angry because we demand um respect we demand payment for services you know and it's, it's equal just, rights equal, yeah, rights, equal right. access oh. Yes, and that's why they do poll, you know, when people are leaving, you know, the um, polling station after they vote, asking them have black people become too uppity. In, in in their you know wanting civil rights or equality and I mean it's it's just it's outrageous this is stuff that we're seeing this happened during the last voting season you guys which was only a couple of months ago right they did a I mean white backlash has all has is, is 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 you know it happens every time people of color you know are are perceived as getting something uh you know uh, getting more rights or getting um. You know a bigger chunk of the pie there's this white backlash that happens. We saw it right after reconstruction. you know we saw it we saw it right after the civil rights movement. We're seeing it again now. you know what I mean so you know you have to um, keep this in mind, so. Right. That's why we encourage you guys to use critical thinking skills in every area of your life. When you look at something or you read something, we want you to read it with a critical eye. And, I mean, this is why I put certain things on my wall. I put up things on my wall that I don't agree with. But I put it up there so that you can read it and you can understand because you have too many people out here. That only want to read things that they agree with. They don't want to read and understand things that they don't agree with, which is why, you know, many of their arguments fall as flat as notes. You know, so it's just, it's it's interesting. You know, um, we just tell you guys, you know. I thought you were going to say this, as flat as the notes that somebody sings, but I'm not going to go there. That's too funny. (laughs) Oh, oh, stick with one hand, half a dozen, in the other just flat. But, girl, you're killing me softly over here. I'm telling you. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, anyway, we don't talk about Mammy. You know, we got a lot of examples of those out here. You know, just look around. It won't take long for you to find one. But um, Mm-mm. it's Too funny. It's oh, sing a song, Raina. Sing a song for the people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how it goes. Oh, that's how that goes. That is how that mm-hmm. goes. Again, that number three one zero. As flat as them notes, three one zero and, and that is three one <laughs> zero <laughs> nine eight two four two seven three. Again, that's three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. Let's move on. Let's move on. I think I want to talk about Jezebel. I like that song by Sade. Well, oh, we did talk about Jezebel, though. I thought we talked about Jezebel. I'm, that. Not, the, gonna, the I'm not done talking about Jezebel. I want to talk about Jezebel some more. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah Jezebel um, needs to talk about. Well, Jezebel, I mean, Jezebel is, you know, again, you know, this is it's the popular notion that Black women are, again, duplicitous and they use their sexuality to, um, you know, to manipulate people, um, even manipulate people who don't think they're attractive to having sex with them, which is how white people somehow tried to um, <laughs> explain away all of the um, mulatto children and mixed race children that came about during slavery. You know, right. but um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it survived. It's I mean, it survives to this to this day. Um, you know, this the, the notion, I mean, it was it was very popular during black exploitation to see, right? A lot of, I mean, a lot of Cam, Cam Greer's roles had elements of Je, of the Jezebel stereotype in them, but I mean, not to say that um, her, her work was not valuable, you know what I mean? It just happened to have some of those stereotypes in it. A lot of black exploitation work um, traded on stereotypes, um, right? You know, I mean, just like, just like, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, this is not to say that like, um, any time that these stereotypes come up that is necessarily a bad thing. It's just, we have to talk about it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and you exactly. have to recognize it and you have to be able to um, look, view it with a critical eye. I mean, um, I think I was, um, I think I'm going to go back and revisit some of the um, work, uh, some of the work that's been done on menstrual shows and just um, talking about that. Like, um, you know, there, there was an art to it in some ways, Doing the minstrel shows, um, black a lot of times black performers. That's all the only way that they could perform was to do these right. minstrel shows, um, and so and sometimes they did things that were you know sort of trans you know transgressive within these minstrel right. shows, and sometimes they did things that were you know um, in in some ways hurtful. I mean, but you know that's the nature of art in some ways. You know, art can be. Um, art can, can be negative and can reinforce some of our, our our biases and our hatred and all that kind of right. stuff but it also can it also can um show us something different. You know what I mean? So that's it's true. possible. That's true. Um oh yeah. And, yeah and I want to give one example a movie that, you know, had the Jezebel theme all through it. And that was Monsters Ball. Let me tell y'all You hate that Ruby. You hate that Ruby though. Like with a goddamn passion. Mm-hmm. My friends took me to see that damn movie. They were like, oh, Kim, let's go. Cause I mean, For those of you who know me, I don't do movies or TV, really. You know, it'll be on just so I can hear it, but I'm not really paying attention to it unless it's a show I like, like Person of Interest. And, and you got to blame Raina over here for my love for Orange is the New Black. I never would have watched that show. But now I, I'm hooked on that. <laughs> but, I told you it was good. <laughs> no, but see, see, this is also a friend that will not indulge my eccentricities. I'm waiting on my accordion, Heffa, so that's that. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Anyway, you ain't getting no accordion. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, over in Monsters Ball, and she, she automatically, she knew to say that I hated that movie because of the character that Holly Berry had to play. When we went to see that at the movie theater, that they tricked me into going to see because they should have known I was going to have a negative reaction to that movie. I stood up when the credits were going through, and I looked at them, and I'm like, what kind of shit was that? It's so, like, you know, I was angry. I was angry mm. after that movie. It wasn't so much because of her character. It was because the way that little boy was treated But anyway, that's not what we're talking about right now. But, you know, with that movie, you know, it was it was basically showing the Jezebel, you know, um, um, stereotype and showing how, you know, that particular woman was using sex to draw men in to get what she wanted. And, you know, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's to destroy somebody. And, you know, and see it in some of these hip hop videos. And, you know, we just want you to be conscious. Of this, um, because this is supposed to be the bad black girl, you know, so that good girl, bad girl thing, that trope that, you know, is, is, you know, paraded out just way too often. And that's why, you know, over here in a free thought community, you know, it turns into a big discussion as to, or big debate as to what is good and what is bad. And this is why we kind of, you know, have these debates and these talks about um, uh, morality. And, and, you know, our definition of morality. Anyway, just to make a long story short, but um, the traditional Jezebel was a light-skinned, slender, mulatto or biracial um, woman or girl with long straight hair and Caucasian features and resembled the more European ideal for beauty. You You know, I have friends that are Creole. And it's just interesting because I remember one particular friend of mine that was Creole, and this was before, you know, we became friends. And so me and one of my coworkers, a white guy, and I said to him, I'm like, she's black. And he was like, no, she isn't. Look at her. She's white. And I'm like, I know black people. When I see black people, she's white people. So, you know, it sounded like a whole a whole Eddie Murphy. I was like, that's just too funny. And so one day I went into her office and I sat there and I'm looking at her and I'm smiling and she was like, Kim, what are you smiling about? And I'm like, man, and she was like, what, Kim? And I'm like, which one of your parents look like me? And she smiled. <laughs> and then she pulled out her pocketbook and she showed me her mother was, you know, like she could have been one of my aunts. You know, and so right. she was like, People can't figure it out. I'm like, I know black people when I see black people. Just, you know, oh, funny! But well, I mean, oh. going along with that, going going along with what Kim said, if you don't believe her, um, there's a um, there's a series if you haven't seen it by Henry Louis Gates called Black in Latin America, and if you don't believe that black people come in all shades and that mm-hmm. there are black people who are black people that you don't know are black people go on and look at that documentary. I think there's one professor that he was talking to, um, you know, looks looked every bit like what you would expect for you know, a typical white man, uh, you know, Spanish speaking or Portuguese speaking white man. And uh, he had quite a bit of, you know, I mean, he had more African ancestry than one would maybe even expect, you know? Um, and there was a, a black woman, a woman who, you know, you would think was black, you know, a Portuguese person, Portuguese speaking person in uh, Brazil. And um she actually was fifty four percent white. She was less African than she was white. Um I think they said she was like 38 percent African. Oh you know? wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So oh. it's it you know, it's like it 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 all it's it's all a, a spectrum. This is this just goes to show you that race is not a, a biological reality, but a social one. You know? Exactly. 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 And, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we do these shows because we want you to go out there and research it and to understand it for yourself. And hopefully this will lead you in a direction where you can do, you know, more research. And, you know, we'll give you another example. Edward Brooke, he was the first black elected U.S. senator. He just passed away. So, you know, when you take a look at this man you would not think that he was black. You would think he was just an old white guy, you know? And well, not just that, first- but you also have to realize that there's been a lot of people who've been whitewashed in history, and that's one of the things that you really get from that black, um, from the Black and Latin America documentary, is just how much whitewashing has gone on um, in, in many parts of the world. That's why, that's why, that's why like I said, um, racism is a, it, it's a sickness in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, we can't even look at our own history. I mean, they, they exhumed the bodies of, of famous heroes in different parts right. of the world to to do these unscientific measurements to determine how white they were. Exactly. Exactly. And see, this is why we talk to you all about these things, and this is why we encourage you all to do the research And, like I say, you know, you got some people that may not appreciate what I put on my wall, but if nothing else, I'm challenging you to think. And I'm trying to challenge to look at things from a number of different perspectives. You know, we have to get off this notion that we are just supposed to all get along. We're only supposed to read things that we consider as positive. We're only, you know, we're supposed to be this monolith. What's interesting is we're, you know, people want to say we're not a monolith when it comes to one thing, but, you know, you want to force us into acting like a monolith when it comes to others. So you can't have it both ways. And so, um, we right. want you to get out of here. We want you to do this research because it's a lot of information out here and it will explain a lot. Um, certain things will start to make sense. And so, you know, even with the Jezebel stereotype, you know, it talks about, you know, hypersexuality. And, you know, um and we're gonna be talking about that on the fourth show as well. We'll be talking about hypersexuality um, you know, in that stereotype with black women and black men. But, you know, um just getting giving you all a heads up so when we get to that. Um, but with that, you know, hypersexuality, um, stereotype, basically it was put to, put together with the Jezebel to basically absolve absolve white men of their responsibility in the rape and abuse of black women. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. And And then they turn around and say that the black women, you know, were asking for it. And, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of that is just played out today. So, I mean, you know, we're not making this up. We want you to go. We want you to go and look it up and find it for yourself and, you know, understand it. You know, let's hit up Sapphire for a minute so we can go ahead and knock that out the box. Or did we do Sapphire? No, we didn't. Uh, Sapphire. Sapphire. Sapphire is sort of a it's it's a it, it's a permutation of the angry black woman trope, right? Right. You know, what I mean? it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a different um, spin on it. And you know, Sapphire is you know rude and malicious and stubborn and overbearing and you know, right. In other words, she's not feminine, right? Right. Got her hands on you know. her hips her neck turning and she's running her mouth and putting her man down and turning everything into a fight and, 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 you know, never, you know, so anyway, go ahead Raina. Yeah. I was just saying she just, and not just her man, just anybody, but the point, the point is, is that this is just a, a variety on that angry, uh, or uh, the angry black woman is sort of the contemporary version of the sapphire Mm -hmm. stereotype. But um it's just again, it's really attacking the notion that black women um are, are attacking the idea that black women aren't um feminine enough, that they don't know their place. Um, you know, they 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 overstep, you know, right because they they don't um you know, because the perception is rather that we don't um we don't, you know, follow men. We don't we're not subservient. We're not uh, submissive to men, and and I don't really understand how that's not, how that's true because most of the black women I know are extremely <laughs> patriarchal. You know what I mean? I'm, I've never seen that. Now they may have an opinion that they express here and there. You know what I mean? Like anybody else, but I don't know those women. I don't know who they're talking about now. Um, but the whole point is, is that even if you are that way, like you know why why shouldn't you express you know how you feel right. you know why why do black women have to take a back seat and be made to to feel like they can't express themselves it's, i don't know and but this is a, right. this is a silencing technique that they use. There you go. Exactly. And, I mean, if you all want to see, you know, some of this and, you know, examples of this, you can go back and look at the Amos and Andy show. This is what solidified that particular, you know, um, stereotype. And, you know, Mm -hmm. this is one of the reasons why we're trying to strike down that, you know, um, trope that a lot of people bring out when they're saying that, you know, black women are bossy or women in general, but particularly black women are bossy. That is tied to the Sapphire stereotype. And so, you know, we need you all to understand that. Um, And this kind of ties into the independent black woman, independent, strong black woman. And with the Sapphire, you know, they're always talking about how, fiercely independent she is and, 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 you know, sour disposition, you know. It's, it's just, you know, we want you all to understand these things. Go back. Go back and look and see, you know, how all of this came about because it's extremely important that you guys, you know, know these things because when you're armed with this history and this knowledge you know, you can fight back. And I remember, you know, being, you know, a little girl and all through my, you know, adulthood in which, you know, I would be having conversations or a debate with someone, and sometimes it's like I'd make a comment, and I know it's right, but I didn't have enough information to substantiate my argument. And it would just piss me off, you know, and so this is one of the reasons why I just started soaking up a lot of this information like a sponge because, you know, there are times when you know that something that someone says or their actions or, you know, the accusations or whatever are wrong, but, you know, you need to have the information, the history, the context, the evidence you know, to prove it wrong within a verbal dialogue. You know, we're not talking legally, we're talking, you know, just an everyday conversation. And so, um, this history is powerful. It's powerful. And, you know, which is why we encourage you guys to understand it and go from there. And so Raina. Yeah. Raina, are you there? All right. Yeah, so here. we're twenty 20- I know, honey. we're 23 minutes down from a two-hour show. I told you they gave us an extra half hour because of the technical difficulties. You want to go to the next 23 or you want to go to the next 53? I mean, whatever. We can go to the end. It's whatever. You got me here this <laughs> long. Okay. Well, you know, I was talking about something that happened earlier this week, and, you know, I wanted to address it. And, you know, I wanted to talk about um, – Leela Alcorn, you know, the trans person, the trans woman that took her life earlier this week. And, you know, we have to do something about these trans suicides. It's extremely important. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And due to, you know, her, you know, death, you know, they were able to put together a trans lifeline. And that number, you know, it's a, it's a trans suicide hotline, and that number is 877-565-8860. Again, 877-565-8860. And, you know, um, for LGBTQ youth, you know, ages 24 and younger, Contemplating Suicide, there's a program out there called the Trevor Project Lifeline. And, again, that's the Trevor Project Lifeline, and they can be reached at 866. Oh, it's not a complete number here. So if you call the other number, 877-565-8860, they can give you the information for that because I believe they're helping some of these young people um, who are contemplating suicide that are homeless helping them to transition to find safe spaces, you know, because I know here in Chicago we have a lot of LGBTQ youth that are kicked out of their homes once their parents find out that, you know, they're in the life, if you will, and we have this wonderful place in Chicago called the Center on Halstead. And, you know, they open like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, so they get there half hour, an hour before they open. But they say, you know, some of the teenagers are sleeping in the doorways because they have nowhere else to go. And they come and they stay there. And if you all ever get a chance to get to Chicago and, and view the facilities, it's an absolutely magnificent building and they have wonderful programs, and, you know, it's a pleasure to have worked with them and to have volunteered with them, and if it's not done, I will continue doing so. But, um, you know, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 800-273-8255, and it's a 24-hour number, and again, 800 800- and that's for everybody of all ages and all identities but the one for the trans lifeline again that's 877-565-8860 and I believe if you call either one of those numbers they can give you the information for the Trevor Project Lifeline and give you the telephone number for that I apologize I'm looking at this article here and I'm just noticing that it's incomplete that that they don't have the exchange code here so Again, you know, that's why, you know, earlier when we were talking about um, this show for, you know, episode two, we will be talking about, you know, queer people of color. You know, we'll be talking about trans people, or trans women in particular, and what's been happening, you know, across this country in regards to trans people because um, it was one incident in New York in which um, a man was attempting to have a conversation with the woman. And when his friends told him that that was a trans woman, he got angry and, you know, it, it began a little tussle, a fight, what have you. And basically she hit her head on the ground and she died, you know. And and the, the man, was he charged? I don't remember if he was charged or not. You know, um, I can not it back up, Yeah, yeah, I apologize for not having that information in front of me. But, again, you know, we've read the stories about, you know, trans women being burned to death, being killed all across this country. And we need to recognize and understand what's happening. Um, and that's why I'm glad and very happy we have people like Laverne Cox and others out here that are speaking to you know, the identity into the agency of trans women. You know, black trans women matter, too. We need for you all to understand that as well, and it's time to put the homophobia behind. And, again, I'm not saying, you know, not all trans people are, you know, gay. That's not true. Not all trans. So, I mean, I just want to make sure there's a difference between transsexual and transgender. So we're encouraging you to educate yourself on these things. And so, we just want to make sure not all transgendered people are, you know, um, gay. Some are hetero. I mean, so, um, look it up, you know, look up, you know, some of this information. Um, It's just absolutely outrageous because it does not get the media that it deserves, you know. And that's why when, you know, we talk about that every 28 hours um, narrative, You know, that includes trans women, women, and girls. And so it's important that we not lose sight of that. And so, again, you know, um, this is the first of four shows. Next Sunday, you know, will be part two of the four-part series. And we'll be speaking extensively about Ella Baker, um, Fannie Lou Hamer, and the Black Lives Matter um, creators, the founders And, again, that's Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi. And, you know, we'll be talking extensively about how women are factored and written out of history and how many of these momentous occasions never would have happened if they weren't initiated and maintained to completion by black women. But you see mm-hmm. these black men, you see it now with Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and all of them, you know, you know damn near getting whiplash trying to get to Ferguson and, you know, and telling the people, you know, go home and pray about it. But what I'm so proud of with these millennials is that they are not, you know, succumbing to these religious platitudes. They're like, no, you know, we're not going to do it. And, and, and we're not going home. We're not you know, praying about it, and this is our future. And, you know, again, with some of these, you know, so-called civil rights leaders in our community, you know, they should have taken a lesson from Occupy Wall Street. When you see white people out here protesting because they feel as though they have no future, you know, and in, in, in what was happening with the economic recession, the Great Recession, as they called it, well, if it's a Great Recession for them, it's a depression for us because we are affected, you know, highly more impacted than they are. And that's mm-hmm. the reason why since the beginning of this show, I kept saying that we were going to see another phase of the civil rights movement. I mean, it was, it was, it was as plain as day. And that is what is happening now, and this is why we encourage you guys to support Black Lives Matter. You can't get out there and protest and march, and not everyone can. I understand, it, but if you can, make a contribution, you know, contribute to help them. They have funds out there for... Um, attorneys and bail for some of the people that have been in prison behind this, is a lot of things happening. Now they consider protesting as low level domestic terrorism. I've put that on my page. It's important for you to understand and to keep up with these things and to understand what's happening. I even put up um, the link or the Wikipedia page to a book called The Protest Psychosis. It just came in the mail for me this week, but it was talking about how schizophrenia was turned into a black mental health issue. How initially with schizophrenia, it was for, you know, eccentric whites or, you know, educated whites, if you will. And so, you know, these were your teachers, your professors, your poets and people like that. And then when the DSM, um, you know, basically came out with the new edition, they added hostile and aggressive to schizophrenia. And what happened was they started diagnosing more black people, in particular black men with schizophrenia, because they were talking all of this nonsense about wanting civil rights and equality. And so we were putting that out there so you all could understand it's the same tricks, it's the same BS, it's just with different names and a different set of people, but, you know, they play the game the same way. This is why we're telling you all to understand your history, understand what was going on. You have to look beyond the surface, beyond the aesthetics. got to look deeper. You know, and we bring a lot to you, but it's so much that we don't bring to you because there's not enough time to bring it all to you. You know, uh, you know, you all laugh when I say I have 300 links that I want to post. And random will tell you I probably do have 300 links that I want to post. You know, right. but I'm, I'm saying, I'm like, they're not ready for this. They're not ready for mm-hmm. that. And And, you know, also... You know, some people don't understand the way that I think, and some people don't want to grasp it. But, you know, if you look at the overall, you know, the broad picture, the big picture here, you should be able to kind of understand the direction that I'm going in with all of this. You know, I'm trying to lay this out before we get to that point so you'll understand when we get there how this happened in the past and how they put it together and how they're using the same tricks to trick us now. So it's important mm-hmm. that you understand. I'm not doing it just because I'm bored and I have nothing else to do. Um, there's a method to the madness. Trust me. I, I, nothing that I do, you know, um, is necessarily by mistake. Understand that. So <laughs> 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 That works. That goes for so many things in life, darling. Believe me. <laughs> you look marvelous you know Mm. so um yeah so that's that's show number two so you know definitely we want you all to be kind to yourself give yourself a break you're human you make mistakes life happens it's okay when you make a mistake, there's no need to, to, you know, to tuck tail and run, you know. No, don't hide yourself. Face those mistakes. Be fearless. Be fearless. People only have as much control over you as you give them. You understand it? just because someone calls you A, B, and C, that doesn't make you A, B, and C. I need for you to understand that. You know, rise up, people. Rise up. Not only rise up, but wise up. You know, Mm -hmm. I need for you all to understand that. You know, you are in control of your life. You are in control of your destiny, if you will. I don't even necessarily believe in destiny, but I'm talking about your future. You know, you create that, you know, and there are cases in which we have no control over, you know, situations, and that's fine, but you try to make the best of it that you possibly can. But the information that we give you is very real. You know, you can fact-check us at any time. You know, you know, the facts are going to support what we're saying. And so, you know, that's why we don't worry about these things and why we laugh at some of the ignorance. That's being perpetuated out there. You know, you know, you're not scaring us, you're amusing us. So, um, the third show, um, we'll be talking about again how women have started and initiated a lot of these grass um, roots movements. And these mass movements that we've seen from the first runaway slave that drapetomania, that's another mental illness that they attributed to black people. You know, anyone who ran away from slavery, they were considered as having, you know, a mental illness called drapetomania. And, you know, and then you have the protest psychosis, which is tied to schizophrenia. And, you know, it, and I'm looking to see, you know, what there's trying to say now about those of us that are out here and refusing to conform and demanding our civil rights and demanding our equality and demanding our agency. So, you know, you keep an eye out for that. If you see something, you let me know. I want to send a shout out to Robert Gross. Um, you know, one of our all-time listeners, and, you know, I just want to say we support you and your projects, Robert. You let me know, and we'll get out here, and I'm going to post the information to his podcast a little bit later. I apologize. I didn't have it in front of me, but I will put it on my wall today or tomorrow. It just depends on, you know, how much I feel like being online after the show. But, um, you know, we need to talk about these things, you know, uh, about how black women have been co-opted out of history and how they're trying to do the same thing now. And like I said, people work in patterns. People work in patterns. You know, this is why, you know, when I hear people saying, I don't understand, and I'm like, that's because you weren't paying attention. You must sit back, be quiet, and observe. You understand? This saves you a lot of headaches in life, a lot of headaches in life. And so it's just, it's really interesting how all of this comes about And so... um it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, Raina, did you want to add something? Uh, no, not really. Oh. I think you said it all. Yeah, I think I've said it all. And so, um, you know, what's interesting, you know, um, something that Maya Angelou would say, she would say, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Actions speak a lot louder than words. It's important that you all understand that. And, you know, again, um, just remember, just because someone calls you A, B, and C, that doesn't make you A, B, and C. You control, you know, you never allow anyone to control, you know, the narrative about you and your life and who you are. Never. Never in many cases, you know, the narrative that's being put out there is false. I mean, even if only 10%, 20%, 30%, you know, even 70% of it is false, it's still false. You know, you can have, you know, a thousand white pieces of sand and have one black piece of sand in there. It's still going to stand out. And it still makes it false. So, it's just interesting. So... We thank you guys for joining us today. You know, we apologize for the technical difficulties, but we were still able to get two hours in. We did good, right? Yeah, I think we did all right. Say (laughs) aye. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you know, so again, um, look it up, get the information, grow and learn from the information and share that with others you know the information that we give you You know, we want you to share that with other people. That is why this show is out here. That is why this show is free. You know, we don't make any money from this. We're not necessarily trying to make any money from this. We're just sharing, you know, information because, unfortunately, a lot of this information has been kept from us. A lot of this information, you know, like Red Ninja said when he called in a while ago, he said he didn't hear about this information until he went to college. And he had to pay for um, he had to pay for the classes to you know get this type of information. And so you know we're putting this information out here. You know we read these books, and you know it's so much. It's so much. I don't think we'll ever read every book that we that we want to. You know, but you know we do make time, and we are sharing this information with you. So this year. You know, we're going to hit a lot harder. We're going to uh, have a lot more information, have more people coming on the show, and all of these things. So, you know, just, you know, stick with us, tune in, and tune out the ignorance, tune out the madness. Trust me. Trust me. Tune it out. All right, y'all. Well, on that note, we are out of here, Raina. Thank you very kindly for joining us today. We appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you allowing me to be here. So thanks a lot. So. Hey, it's, it's my pleasure. You know, it's a privilege to work with you. You know, it's a privilege to work Aww. with somebody. Right. Like, Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Actually. And, and, you know, all well, of these it's, things a, pr- it's a privilege I, to work with you as well. Exactly. So as we move forward, and we continue to strive, you know, for social justice, for equal playing field, for a level playing field. We will not stop. We won't stop. We can't stop. You know, we're not going to stop. There is nothing you can say or do to stop this train. So, you know, you better get out the way because it's going to be a major impact because we're on our way. We're coming. All right. You all take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks for being patient with us. We love you so, so much. Take care, everybody. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year. Bye-bye.